1: Welcome to Bridge the Atlantic. We are your hosts, Ross Barber. And Marciana Valley. And today on the show, we have New York City producer, author, and podcaster, Jesse Cannon with us. Hey, Jesse, how's it going?
2: It's going great. It's good to talk to you guys.
1: Uh, Likewise. Good to talk to you. Um, Before we start, I'm actually reading Jesse's book right now. I am 25% of the way through. Um... Which not twi- awesome. not
0: twenty five point five or twenty six percent. actually, well, actually yeah. it's exactly twenty five percent.
1: Yeah, well, I've not calculated my
0: Kindle. Oh, okay. You're actually reading a book, you know, not you know. <laughs>
1: Marcio, you're living in the past. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Things have moved on. Things have moved on.
2: I, I highly suggest to anybody to uh read the uh Kindle version because it's so thick otherwise. Okay. It's like it starts to give you carpal tunnel, so
1: <laughs> I love the highlight feature um yes. on the Kindle and I have to say your book is the one I've highlighted
0: most. So Oh that's so uh, nice. So you, yeah, he's been talking about your book quite a bit. I I haven't okay. read it yet, so I've, I've got to be. I'm the next one to read it. So, nice. Which, by the way, the name the name of the book, Ross.
1: Welcome to Bridge the Atlantic. We are your hosts, Ross Barber
0: and Marciana Novelli.
1: And today on the show, we have New York City producer, author, and podcaster. Jesse Cannon with us. Hey, Jesse, how's it going?
2: It's going great. It's good to talk to you guys.
1: Uh, likewise. Good to talk to you. Um, before we start, I'm actually reading Jesse's book right now. I'm 25% of the way through, um, which not
0: is 20, awesome. Not 25.5 or 26%. <laughs> no. You actually calculate well, it. It's exactly 25%.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've not calculated my Kindle uh, Oh okay. Um, <laughs> <yeah>, now so <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, that
0: you're it's, actually reading a book, you know, not in you know.
1: the <laughs> uh, you're living in the past.
0: I know, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Things have moved on. Things have moved on.
2: I I highly suggest to anybody to uh, read the uh, Kindle version because it's so thick otherwise it's okay. like it starts to give you carpal tunnel, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love the highlight feature. Um, yes, on the Kindle, and I have to say your book is the one I've highlighted most. So oh, that's so nice. Uh,
0: so you're, yeah. He's been talking about your book quite a bit. I, I haven't okay. read it yet, so I've, I've <laughs> got to be. I'm the next one to read it. So nice. Which, by the way, the name the name of the book, Ross. You should mention it. Yes. Uh, thanks for get reminding me that. To do yourself, <laughs> get more fans. more fans. The do-it-yourself guide to the music business.
1: Yes, that's the one. Yes, exactly. So um, we like to start our interviews off by asking you three things about yourself that everyone should know. So these can be obvious. They can be obscure. Whatever you think people should know.
0: They can be made up. (laughs) No one will know. Sometimes they are. (laughs)
2: Uh, Wow. That's really interesting. I've never thought about this. Uh, I'm a political and food nerd as well. Um, The only thing I know about as much about the music business and the weird things about is um, obscure political facts and um, which restaurants to eat in New York City. Uh I mostly spend my time in a windowless room uh producing engineer mixing and mastering records. Uh I am the best white dancer in Brooklyn. <laughs> 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 that the last one is has the least bit of truth to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Well,
0: first of all, what's can you share a bit of obscure political um facts with us as well as uh like you mentioned New York uh, places to eat. Uh
2: well, I guess of New York places to eat, I could do a little bit more obscure. Everybody knows different things with politics, kind of like the music business that like uh, something that's really obvious to somebody is really not obvious to another. Like, I think one of the most interesting things about like writing a really exhaustive 750 page book on the music business is everybody didn't know something else. It's never everybody didn't know the same thing that is in that book. And I think that that's the funny thing is we all have loopholes in our education. That's very interesting. But uh, as far as New York food goes, there's a place called Pesar Malam that is the – because they don't have a liquor license. They're not getting the credit they deserve. But it's I, there's over 100 items on the menu, and it's – I've had about 50 of them, and everyone, it's been amazing. <laughs> I mean, I live a few blocks away, and they right. deliver. So <laughs> makes life easy.
0: Right, right. Well, that's pretty cool, man.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah, sh- yeah I wish, should we talk I wish
1: about some tips when I was in New York?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever come back, I'm happy happy to write a list for whatever your food needs are. That's it's one of my specialties.
0: Well, I, I'm awesome. my wife and I are are vegan, and we traveled to New York City. I think it was a couple of years ago, and actually, New York City apparently was just recently rated the best uh, place to eat for vegans. And man, uh, I, I would believe it. Yeah, I, I thought it would be Los Angeles because the most, uh, the highest number of vegetarians and vegans actually live in Los Angeles. But New York City, yeah, it well, we're, we're uh, a way better food, food
2: city. It um, was pretty
0: amazing, man.
2: Yeah. Well, so did you go to Angelica Kitchen?
0: Um, I yes, actually, I think I did at Candle Sorry. 79. We went to. Um, Oh, you know what? I'm bad with names, but we went to quite of the, the big ones and, and some uh, smaller ones too. I, I got to brush up on the names, but
2: yeah. My, my uh, roommate's the pastry chef at Angel Kitchen. Oh, no way. That's yeah, awesome. So, yeah, so maybe she, next
0: she, time I can, you can hook me yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, I
2: was, was going to say, you stop by the house and there's like always uh, pastry sitting on the uh, counter because nice. she's sick like that. So. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So, Jesse, you are the former manager of Overboard and Transit, who both yeah. eventually signed to Rise Records.
2: Who, who did that under my watch? Yes.
0: Yes, that's what we wanted to ask you about. Yes. Yeah, so what was, was
2: sure.
0: yeah, what was that like uh, managing those two bands? It was that obviously wasn't at the exact same time.
2: Uh <laughs> it's a very funny story. So, okay, Eyes Records came to us um, shortly before we put out uh, us being Man Overboard. Uh, shortly before we put out Real Talk, and we're like, "Hey, we want to offer you a record deal." And like, we look at the bands of the label, we're like. <laughs> Oh, you got to be kidding me. We're not signed to this label. And then they keep coming back at us. And coming back at us, the contract kept getting better. And we're like, man, compared to the other labels, and I don't want to call out the other labels, these guys are way more enthusiastic, way more smart, way more cool. And like they kind of, you know, they're like that person that, you know, you're, initially when they come to you and they want to date you, you're like, ah, I don't know. You're wearing that hat and you seem like <laughs> that guy from the pickup artist or something that you're like. I don't know about that, and then eventually, like you know, these guys are pretty smart, pretty cool. And while there's like, they hang out with some pretty lame people. There's some pretty cool stuff, and they like really gave us an amazing contract. And so the big problem was is that we were not in contract with Run for Cover, but there was an expectation uh, with Run for Cover that we were going to do more with them. Um, we hadn't worked out all the contract details yet because as often happens, like, you know, it was like, yeah, we should do this. There was a lot of handshake stuff, but it wasn't out loud. And, um, Jeff from Run for Cover is a good friend of mine. And, uh, I said to him, when I started managing transit uh, around that same time, I'm like, listen, I never want to go through this with you again. And, uh, about two hours later, Tim from Transit calls me. He's like, so Rise Records is going to offer us a contract now that you're managing us. <laughs> <laughs> I just I walked over to a wall and hit my head against it about five times. I was like, and that's what I get for making a promise. <laughs> <laughs> and so we that was right about when Man Overboard had finished their contract so that we had another month or two of doing Transit's contract and... uh so then we decided on a day to do the announcements and that day was just like the day, like, you know, we've all had our day of um reading the internet and going, wow, like people on the internet just suck. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and like the absolute punk comment thread was just <clears throat> so ridiculous. Like I'd be like, uh, so he'd be like, oh, they're going to send them to Joey Sturgis and make them into like an attack attack part two. I'm like. I'm their producer and manager. That's not happening. Like, <laughs> we already have discussed that's not happening. Two thre- common threads. Uh, two comments later. Oh my god, he's already tried to cover this up. What the fuck? This guy's a liar. Da 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 da. It's, it's best
0: like, to not engage them. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: Don't <laughs> yeah. Feed the trolls, you learn. You live and learn. <laughs> yeah, I, I still, I still feed the trolls sometimes. I go under <laughs> the bridge. I give them their meat, and yeah, you yeah. know, I regret it, but like, I do it. <laughs> I, I'm somebody who, you know, I grew up on the internet, you know. And, uh, yeah, of course. It's just like that thing of like, I'm generation one of the internet and I got used to debating things on hardcore punk forums when I was 15 years old and I can't break free.
0: So you uh, were a part of uh, Man Overboard and Transit's transition to um, uh, getting signed and, and becoming established. Um, Whose decision is it when a uh, band is no longer managed by the same manager? Was you know is that your decision? Was that the band's decision?
2: So no longer managed. So like when they went from another manager to me, from, from me to another manager. Do you yes. Uh, so both groups were a different thing. Um, I managed Transit much less time than I managed Man Overboard. Um, both of them started from relationships with me being their producer first, and then me just believing them and helping them out eventually it's like all right let's make this formal so with transit what happened was uh they we had gotten done doing the second record we did together and they had gotten an offer from the gaslight anthems manager and so i was producing writing a book and uh managing them and and man overboard and i was very much in over my own head so you were taking
0: Um, it easy basically yes
2: yes (laughs) i'm always just doing one thing
0: Uh, yeah Yeah, that's that's a true creative though i mean you know there's not only one outlet i mean if you're a creative person yeah (laughs) yeah, exactly never ever limit yourself i'm a true believer in that so
2: yeah and and i I think that's the thing is we get addicted to creativity um i mean my book that i'm writing right now is all about creativity um I date somebody who's, like, you know, learned architecture, uh, fashion design, is a neuropsychologist, like, oh, does, <laughs> you know, and a, and a musician. And so it's, like, I watch her, and, like, I'm, like, I feel humbled every day.
0: <laughs> That's and, amazing. Um,
2: but, like, yeah, you get addicted to it, and um, I think that that was the thing. But so, because I was doing so much, and I want to do so much, and I want to be involved with so many cool things, um, man, over, Transit took the chance to do that so man overboard then got so popular that when we were making the self-titled record um we started to have some disagreements about which ways to go and um we still do actually disagree about those even though we're all good friends and you know i was talking to justin on sunday and we can make nice little jokes about those disagreements about what we think but uh it eventually just became that i had to choose management or record production of managing a band as big as them and Record production, is something I've been at since uh, I'm, it's actually been 21 years. I, I first started producing records at 15, so uh, that's awesome. I uh, chose that, and they chose that, and we went our separate ways, and we're all still the best of friends and get real, have a lot of fun when we see each other still. But you know, it was time for uh, after 72 songs produced together and uh, God, like three years of working together. It was time for them to move on, and they've done a great job since.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, being a producer for 21 years, you said, you've worked on records by The Cure, Limp Bizkit, Dillinger Escape Plan, Saves the Day, Senses Fail. Um, Most of those are some of my favorite bands of all time. (laughs) We won't say which one's not. (laughs) I'm just going to say maybe... one of sources an l and possibly uh, an is kit possibly that's one of the ones not included <laughs> but uh yeah so you know what were those experiences like
2: uh well all of them are very different um I'll run through some of my favorite ones uh yeah please do the, 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 the cure was um particularly magical because I got to also that was um start of my working with Ross Robinson who was one of my favorite producers growing up so I also worked with Steve Evitts on that as I did a bunch of those other records you mentioned um, and Steve Evitz, uh, was my other favorite producer growing up so getting to work with both of them at once was a little crazy along with a band that I grew up loving and Uh, worshipping.
0: I grew up listening to The the Cure. When I say I grew up listening, I'm not talking as a teenager. I'm talking as like a toddler.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I got all my Cure and Smiths and replacements and other cool records from my father.
0: Yeah. For me, it was my aunt Lilia. She was a huge uh, fan of The Cure. And I, I I remember, I think I was like three years old dancing around to Love Cats. <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> I mean, so like, you know, they, I they can totally imagine that. Yeah. It's, you know, I think, probably naked I think as as well, weren't you? probably naked and there's videos of it, but I uh, know, please, you know, continue <laughs> telling us about your experience uh, working on the, with The Cure and Ross Robinson, which is a great producer.
2: Yeah. yeah um, so it was like just a very interesting, we were at Olympic studios. So like, you know, like t-rex and like Led zeppelin have done stuff in this room and it's just who? like sorry t-rex <laughs> no, <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> but, but, so, i think um, i'm funny sorry <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I catch the visual at first uh, uh so pretty surreal then wasn't it yeah i mean it was crazy and like um ross is a producer who is very much um all about emotions right. and uh he pulls a performance out of like I've worked under a lot of producers, and he pulls performances out that are way different. And like you know, Robert's such an intense emotional person, which is why you know so many people have bawled crying to these records over the years. Um, you know, like I, I'm not a. I mean, I should say this, back then I wasn't a man who cried a lot, and then I think I spent like 27 days straight crying uh, <laughs> at work every night, you're trying to like, turn knobs, and you're like oh my god, he's telling this story, and it's just so moving, oh my god, and like I like easy emotional cleanse and then like, the coming down after that record was like, you know, like getting off of drugs, it was like craving these intense emotional experiences so I'd go home and fight with my girlfriend and say really truthful things to her and it was it was it was it was very interesting it was uh, a definite learning experience about um when you really pour yourself into something creatively and get emotionally honest how addicting that uh, dopamine rush can be and uh so that was really interesting um
0: well, I have to say Ross, uh not Ross Barber, but Ross Robinson yep. uh has produced some of my ultimate favorite records as well, yep. being corn and slipknots.
2: <laughs> First I, two I, records. I, I, like Slipknot Island Glassjaw records at the drive in, Blood Brothers, those are some yeah. of my favorite records. And it was Beautiful. just an honor and I, I'm very honored to have him as one of my like best friends. And um I learned a ton from him and he you know, he's just so much different than any human that produces records of that like you know, the stor- as the stories go of, like, putting Jonathan Davis in a headlock and, like, you know, forcing him to talk about the emotional torment that his father gave him. Yeah, I
0: mean, Daddy it, I th- is in the song called Daddy, the closing track on the debut record.
2: Yeah. And you know in the, the
0: video. Oh, the video. He's bawling his eyes. Out. It's all real. Yeah. But yeah. I, didn't real- I didn't realize the involvement of Ross Robinson in pulling that out of him.
2: It, Ross uh, took him and made him confront his father and then had him go record the vocal.
0: Oh, my God. I did not know that.
2: Yeah. And like, you know, not many producers will go that deep with somebody. And it taught me a lot about, I, I'm nothing compared to him, but when, you know, I do a lot of records where it's like, you don't have to go too deep, like a man overboard. song, like, I like you, it's like, Oh, how's your girlfriend? Yeah. Right. But like, but that's good too, right? it's, It's, it's time to get really confrontational. And I, I take that into a lot of parts of my life. Like it's even, um, I've been doing a lot of interviews for a project I have coming up and uh, I get very confrontational in the interviews. And I think it's important that we um, do that at times because so much fluff in the world and um, no one needs that in our music. We need realness and we need one of the reasons Ross produces records that mean a lot to people is that he gets an exceptional amount of realness instead of this kind of mediocrity of churning out the records that we get with so many different people.
0: Uh, you know, I couldn't agree more, and I, I really admire everything you're saying. Uh, you're, you're being very humble, but it, this applies to yourself as well. I completely, that, that's my, that's what I kind of uh, aspire to is just truth. Truth. Like mm-hmm. you said, there's so much crap in the world. There's so much, so many lies, and, and I, I, I can see through it. I mean, most of yeah. us, I think, that are true fans of music, I can see through bullshit. And why, why add any more crap into the world? So that's something I truly admire, man. I really yeah, do. We, I, I, need more I, pe- we need more people like you, you know, behind oh. the console.
2: I think, well, I think it's even in all of life because I think it's um, even politics and anything in our emotional uh, friendships is like um, there's this Joe Strummer quote that I discovered a few years ago that like really summed it up to me is that um, he says what punk rock is is I'm wise to the ways of the world and I can see through the bullshit. Give me something that's real because I know when it's not real and like. When I heard that, I was like, that's been me since I discovered punk rock. is I want the real. I don't want. And while I can listen to Katy Perry and say, yes, that's fake,
0: Yeah, love it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, but, but you love, you, know you love it, it for what it is, though. Yeah. Right? Like and, you, you, and, there are different things, you know?
2: Yeah, and I think there's like a thing of like, you know, like one of the reasons like somebody like Elizabeth Warren inspires people in politics or like just, you know, you see. I think we do have a more realness in some of our pop stars these days of that, like, you know, seeing what people do when they're on Twitter and seeing them freak out a little bit. Like, that realness makes people identify and why we're seeing these bonds between fans and artists a little bit more is that there's no longer that ability to, like, um, I even think about Rihanna. Like, Rihanna is a pretty vacuous pop star. She's not saying anything, but every once in a while she gets really real. Like, when she was on Oprah one time and Oprah tried to shame her for the naked pictures that she had, and she just turned Oprah, and she's like, "Oprah, if you're not sending those to your man, somebody else is." And it's like, <laughs> no, "That's fucking real." You go, girl. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, like, and I think that that's the thing is, is um, we're all in an era where we're just discovering that we're able to see behind the total bullshit. I think this has been something that's happening over the course of forty years, but like, some would say, even since Watergate in America, and like we've had this like realism of. Seeing behind what you know, the NFL is experiencing in America right now. and I don't really follow sports, but we're finally seeing that these guys can't hide what wife-beating assholes they are. Uh, yep. um, and uh, I think it's just that thing of like, I think people really want real. And if you, um, you learn how to give that to them right now, you're going to be rewarded with it. And um, I'm on that boat. I'm going hard on it.
0: Man, real is warts and all. It's not perfection. I mean, you yes. know what I mean? I it's think it's that's about the-
2: I think that that's even an interesting thing, too, of um, one of the things I've been talking about lately is that um, real is also not just like, you know, like there's a weird thing. I don't want to condone wife beating, but um, we all make mistakes in life. And seeing that some of these guys who are idolized are imperfect also makes us not feel as bad about um when we mess up. And yeah. I don't look up to any football players, but knowing that my idols are not perfect and like, you know, even the thing of like, you know, I... Uh, grew up really respecting ross and Steve, and getting to know that they were human and um you know watching steve Evans throw up into a toilet just as i do occasionally <laughs> i would get a little too drunk it's like yes even the man i respect the most it's like you know he's gonna have that night just one too many it's much rarer for steve than me though i should say for the public's consumption in fact i think it's about a thousand to one me to him
0: <laughs> well, I know that Ross and I, Ross and I are already thinking that the title of this podcast uh, is our vodcast is going to be, um, <laughs> it's going to be a, dis- <laughs> sorry, I can't even say it. Yeah, yeah. Excuse- Jesse Cannon condones wife beating in the NFL.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, totally. Well, that's clickbait right there. Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: <laughs> that, that's about how bad Zach is to be with the Off the Record podcast. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I have noticed that there's been times when he's <laughs> He's named it, and you've uh, you've had something to say.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he chides me a bit. If I, if I was the one doing the po- naming of the podcast, though, you'd be getting the same treatment. So
0: <laughs> I love it. So Ross, Should, I know that uh, I know that you uh, one of the one of the many reasons you you uh, relate to Jesse is because you guys both take a similar approach with how you uh, work with musicians.
1: Yeah, yeah. That. Like one of the things that I like about what you do, Jesse, is obviously you produce artists, but you don't just leave it at that. It's not like once you've produced the record, they're gone. And it's like, see mm-hmm. you, until you want to hire me again, you know, you're actively like helping them out, offering them advice, trying to connect them with other people. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I do with my clients as well. I, I, I don't like to just sort of say, right, I've designed your website now, pay me and get lost. Uh, you know, yes. I'm that's always what you did with me. <laughs> no,
0: sorry. kidding. Well, <laughs>
1: Won't go I'm into kidding. That. <laughs> uh, no like I'm always connecting them i'm I'm keeping an eye out for PR opportunities and mm-hmm. you know just connecting them with anyone that can help and I think it's important that that we all do that and I think
2: everyone should do that a little bit more you know? uh, i I think that that's great and um, it's almost like one of those things like i don't, obviously don't have any secrets, but uh, you know it's it shouldn't be a secret, but I think the sad thing is is um, a lot of people don't I think there's another thing of, um, when you get hired by people is who hires you. I tend to have a nice thing that I attract a certain type of person that I usually get along with. Like I've, you know, i have full time, 15 years, 21 years producing records. I've gotten along poorly with two of the bands. Um, and I think that's the thing is, is I genuinely work with, generally work with, uh, People, I want to help, and I want to continue a relationship, Mm -hmm. and I want to – so that makes it very, very easy, and I think that that's another thing that – I think it's very convenient, but we have to try to work with people that we do feel a real bond with and search out and approach, and I approach a lot of people, and I then also – encourage the people I work with to spread the word. Cause if they're working together with another group, odds are we're going to get along and everything's going to be great. But like, yeah. I love nothing more that most of my best friends are people I've met throughout the years working. I mean, even Todd, who I wrote my book with, uh, randomly I was on a message board and somebody said they needed a studio to record drums. Todd came with his bandmate who I originally talked with, talked for about 10 minutes and then we became best friends. And that's just what it was is just continuing a relationship. And, uh, I think people underestimate how important that is. Oftentimes,
0: well, I, I love that you say this. I'm, I go by the same rule. Um, you know, when I when I'm choosing a producer or anyone to work with, it's important not only obviously their, their work and obviously mm-hmm. if, you, if you like, but who they are and if you're going to click with them. And that actually leads me. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, if there's any if there's any aspiring musicians here that um, that want to know if it's the right time for them to start uh, finding a producer. You know well, first of all, when when is the right time for a musician to find a producer or a band? and you know, what should be the criteria that they're focusing on? Because I personally um, don't think it should just be credits.
2: I agree with you, actually. Um, I think it's very important to have a meeting. Um, but uh, the right time to start is um you should do some demos and then you should start working with producers. I actually think bands should, while it's a bit of a luxury thing and not everybody has the money is like record two to three songs with one producer and then. Maybe another producer, if that one didn't work out for you, and start learning. Because the one thing is, too, like, you know, I have, like, a, a saying that I like to say to justify some actions in my life. But, like, you know, don't marry the girl you lost your virginity to every time. like, like you know, it, yeah, yeah. You know, go out there and see. There's a, there's a wonderful world of worry because then you, when you find the right person, you go, well, I've experimented enough and I know, you know, this one's A-OK with me. And uh, <laughs> say that as a thirty-six-year-old single band. So, uh,
0: <laughs> well, you know what though, and I, the the other thing too is, um, I I think that it depends on what you're writing at the current time too. You know what I mean? Like some some bands, I'm um, I'm gonna cite a band like Alex on Fire. Uh, mm-hmm. Worked with the same producer, Julius Buddy who I had the pleasure of working with with on every single one of their albums because not the first one, but they found the guy that was just right for them, right? Sure. But a lot of different bands will work with different producers and that doesn't mean that they didn't love what another producer did with their stuff. It just, you know, it might be what direction they're going with in that particular record, you know? So I think, you know, I think exactly what you're saying there. It's not, um, you know, maybe they have to be in a polygamous relationship
2: yeah, (laughs) or or serial monogamy. (laughs) What I think is really interesting thing that, that happened a lot more in the nineties and that doesn't, I don't see happen as much that I think is kind of lost in a lot of groups is like who you do your full lengths with is really going to be what you're remembered by. And, um, I think a lot of bands don't get into that experimentation they just go, well, I'm now going to commit to this person who I have no idea if it's going to work just because I like their credits. Um, and I'm going to now do 12 songs with them and that could end your career because that fully, that next full length is what you're measured by. You see so many bands when they have the wrong producer hookup, um, and the relationship's bad that they kind of end their career with, uh, that bad, bad move. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I guess like the other thing I would say is that like yeah, sometimes you do find the right person at first, but I think there is a thing of that you don't always know and you don't know who could do better. And that's one of the weirdest things about these recordings is like you don't have a lot of bands like Jimmy World who've thrown a record away full records twice, like right before the mixing process and just been like, you know, this isn't right is like most green people day, don't green have, day have done that as well oh, yeah. actually yeah oh well, yeah they claimed that one time well, that it got stolen that was not true and i i, I have the facts to prove. oh okay <laughs> that was a total lie but they came out with one of their best records after yes. that and they were smart enough to do that and, they threw uh, out the record didn't they that's, that's yeah. they threw I out seen. the record that's it the truth that's, that's good, the yeah. truth yeah i mean i i have it on word from someone who worked on the record.,
0: oh, i believe it It makes perfect pr- sense
2: yeah, and I, it's a much better story to say it got stolen. Of course. Um, so no one ever is asking for the reels to exactly. hear it. So <laughs> I think that was a really smart strategy. I hate to blow up their spot like that. What do you call it? But so, I mean, it's and it's a funny thing because I've had some bands I've worked with that people don't enjoy their output after I've worked with them. And they're like, well, they get back with you. I'm like, well, that's their decision as a creative person. They're trying out things. They're figuring out maybe we'll make some records in the future. Maybe we won't, but like... Um, so much of record production is about how somebody fills in their blanks. And so one of the big variables, too, is like one, you know, we, we talked about we touched on meeting. Is that like, yes, you have to have a, a working personality and like how far do you want them to go in? Like John Feldman, for example, will rewrite your entire song for you and maybe keep like 25 percent of it at times. Whereas I'm somebody who like generally you come to me and I'm going to go, well, let's do this. But I'm going to leave a semblance of a form. But I'm gonna make sure like there's a great vibe. And then so another thing might be is that a record producer might come in and like you have a terrible, terrible drummer, but they're a guy who's really good with vocals, then it's not gonna work out so well when your drummer sounds terrible and he doesn't know how to make suggestions for making those beats work well with the vocal melodies and how to get the groove to actually work on this record. Um I pride myself that I can do everything pretty damn well, but I'm not like the world's greatest songwriter. I don't ever fully rewrite anybody's songs with a very very rare exception um Mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing is you got to find who's going to do that because some bands like you know if you're one of those joey sturgis bands you kind of need that guy to kind of almost he's like almost like doing remixes of metal songs like you come in with like this kind of standard chug metal song and then he's like putting in all these thx effects in it and skips and all this crazy stuff and Mm -hmm. it's like it's a whole new animal
0: you know, well, my most recent experience with a producer was uh, when I did my full-length debut full-length album. I did it with Jim Wirt.
2: He did drums at my studio one time with some band. Actually, he was a really oh, nice. nice guy.
0: Oh, Jim, yeah. he's amazing, um, and I'm so glad I picked him. Entirely, it it, were, it was a great working relationship, and we really hit it off. Which, which is getting to what I'm about to say is, um, you know, I, I, I. I I I, I contact, I can't speak today. (laughs) I contacted a few different uh, producers and, you know, I hate to say this, a few bigger producers or really big producers that were interested. But the reason I picked Jim and not that Jim is not a big producer. He's whatever the word big is, Um, I went with him because our jive, man, not only did I love what he did, but him and I just clicked. I knew right away. You know what I mean? It was just like, this is the guy. He gets me. He didn't try, he didn't rewrite a single one of my songs. The song, the demos, the recordings, pretty much the same structure and everything, but he pushed out the best performances out of me, man. That's what I was looking for. You know what I mean? Whereas some bands maybe, or some artists are looking for something different, but you know, just, just kind of relating to, you know, what, what we're talking about here. It's, about I think you got to listen to that feeling inside too you know is this a person is this the right person for me right don't get yes. don't get don't get all starry eyed with someone who's maybe won a Grammy or something like that because I mean, it, there's more. It's not just about winning a Grammy. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't yes. mean that one person is necessarily better than the other. We all know there's campaigning that goes along, just like with the Oscars and everything. You know, not diminishing yes. that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I am better. I don't have a
0: Grammy myself. <laughs> just saying. You know, what I'm trying the to gr- say that the
2: Grammys are a shitty, shitty mark of. Uh,
0: That's what I'm trying success. to say.
2: But like, what I think is even more interesting though is like, so let's say your favorite band is. Um, Try. All right. We don't even need to use a bad example. You can just love this band. You're like, wow, well, that producer worked with that guy. But you don't know if... like. So there's some bands in my career that have been like... Uh, Steve Evans actually has a great analogy of it. He calls it, he's like, all you have to do is walk across a room and not drop water. As long as you do a mediocre job, this band is so good, you're just going to do fine. And then there's other bands where you have to rescue everything. You're going to be editing. You're going to be working on their performances for hours and hours and hours because they kind of suck. And not that even great musicians you can work on their performances get them to do yeah, even yeah. better but like there's some bands that you just like you don't need to go in there and be like i'm gonna put my mark on this by doing it like you know i worked with one producer on a record that like he just kept rewriting things <sighs> and you know a year later we talked the band and i reconvened and we're like man that record when i listened to the demos was so much better before he changed everything and he just changed it to get his paycheck and feel yeah, like he did yeah. something and yeah yeah But part part of your job is
0: sometimes not touching as much, though. Yeah. I
2: I mean, you know, it's very funny. um, I do a you know, I'm lucky enough to say that most of the time I do numerous records with the band and, like, uh, I just worked with this great band. In fact, I can even say it. uh, This band called Strange Times, who I really, really in love. And they're like, you know, you did a little less on these songs than you did. I'm like, well, you got to be a lot better (laughs) songwriters.
0: Exactly.
2: That's (laughs) a compliment. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't have to go in and, like change as much because you guys yeah. learned so much from the last experience because you're smart good musicians and well, that, y- that's the optimal
0: well you know just just speaking of, of Grammy's um, I just want to say that Millie vanilli won a Grammy so, um,
2: <laughs> great point but girl you know it's true as a hell of a, <laughs> somebody else the <It's laughs> hell of a job that some other people did <laughs> exactly what's so, the, 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 uh, actually, that's that's a tangent. We don't need to go down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> getting controversial <laughs> yeah, here, which, I, I which we want, like. We want, like getting controversial here.
2: <laughs> I don't want to spend the time defending Billy vanille <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> Are you ready for twenty questions? I am always ready for twenty questions. At least I think I am. Until they're hard,
0: <laughs> Ross. How do you want to do this? Uh, five and five, back and forth. Yeah, let's right. see. Yeah, let's see. Five and five. Do you want to start or I'll to start, start? I'll start. I'll start. Okay, you start. okay. Go. Here we go. Coffee or tea? <laughs> Coffee. Meat or veggies? Meat. CD or vinyl? CD. Summer or winter? Summer. Brand new or taking back Sunday?
2: Taking back Sunday.
0: Twitter or Facebook?
1: Twitter. Melody or rhythm? Melody. Nirvana or Skrillex?
2: (sighs) Uh... Me before three years ago always Devadas Skrillex today. That was really tough. That was the, that was really really. That, that well, really I got really that really from your pod. podcast because that you yes, yes. that's where I got it. I, I, fi- I figured and that now now I'm uh, eating, eating a little crow because part of me died inside. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I I I, I mean. I listen to a lot come
0: on you've you've had you've had more than 20 years to appreciate nirvana it's okay to appreciate other artists as well
2: (laughs) it's true but those remasters were so good i've been rocking them in in utero vinyl and uh, but you know skrillex just makes my 36 year old self a little bit happier (laughs) these days
1: (laughs) hey uh indie or
2: major uh indie taylor swift or taylor lautner (laughs) Well, I hate Taylor Swift, and I don't know who Taylor Walker is. He's the
0: guy from the Twilight The dude from Twilight, yeah. Oh, the wolf, the wolf guy, yeah. I, don't know, I have no that. idea. I saw, I've never seen
2: him. I saw this picture of him where he's wearing sunglasses, and he has another pair on his shirt. So I can't go with him either. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that is that is the epitome of douche. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just that's too much for me. That 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 and my ex had you a real what? that's big that would crush be as bad
0: like, as me wearing a fedora, but still holding a fedora in my hand, just yes, like you know, yes. just in case I want to
2: switch it. <laughs> yes, totes totes.
0: So. <laughs> uh The Simpsons or Futurama. Uh,
2: uh, this is gonna This is gonna get me a lot of shame. Uh, neither.
0: Ooh. Oh, okay, okay. What's What's an alternative of adult uh, animated series? I,
2: I, I mean, I'm aqua teen Hunger Force. Okay, so. Have you ever watch Archer? Oh, I love Archer. That's a great Archer, show. Yeah. That's, that's a great. one of my favorites. That's uh, great. I, you know, favorites. So I work with bands, and what. Lots of annoying bands do is quote The Simpsons all yeah. the time while you're trying to work. I'm so it drove me guys. to hate. The, it yeah, drove it me to hate. With, the, I'm one of those guys. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> one of those guys. So like, <laughs> but I, mean, I quote it, all I'm the gonna... shows
0: though. I try to have a balance, you know. Okay. Mac trying... or PC?
2: Uh, Mac. Friends or Frasier? Uh, that's. I I hate so much. That's hard.
0: Okay. The next one is U2 or Coldplay and in brackets (laughs) Ross is written. I'm sure he hates both. So thought it would be funny to make him choose.
2: (laughs) Uh, I like the first Coldplay record. Yeah, I, first Coldplay record totally was agree. good. Yeah, and the second
1: one wasn't too bad either. Actually, yeah, no, no
2: there, there's some good songs on the second one. It's everything after that that is just—it's the same. I love some early U two, and I think Octung Baby is an amazing yeah. record, but they ruined it for me.
0: Sunday Bloody Sunday. I think mean, that's that's. I yeah, still love that Sunday that Bloody Sunday. Uh, you, know, I, you don't like I the before. fact that they force you to have your their new record?
1: Listen <laughs> 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 to it. Yeah, <laughs> what, 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 a billion oh, people like, must listen to it.
2: What I really don't like is, is is the the co-opting Joey Ramone all these years after his death. And I know they were friends, and Joey died listening to it. But Jesus Christ, come on!
0: Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? Oh, Michael Jackson! I yeah.
2: I, I I better be starting something all the time.
0: I actually I have a I have a uh, it's not leather, it's a pleather jacket because I'm oh, vegan, wow. but it's a red pleather jacket. I gotta show you guys a picture. It's completely Michael Jackson's jacket. Do you still have east. it? Yeah, I just I just got it. Like you're next gonna wear it on the next. You're gonna wear
2: it. On Am I show. gonna wear it? Okay, uh, you're wearing uh, it, is it on the next show. Just learned some good dance moves where you twirl your fedora down your <laughs> arm, back <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got him like, Yeah. Okay, it's
0: you, Ross. <laughs> Twerk or work? And uh, twer- oh, you said you're the best. Yeah,
1: exactly. You're I, the I, best I, dancer. Uh, you know.
2: I, I I I'll tell you. Like I I go to some twerking things in Williamsburg, and I have a good old time.
1: I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you do. We want
2: videos. Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin? Ross wants videos. Oh, Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Yeah. The...
1: Whale or Kale? Kale. Bet Midler or The Riddler? <laughs> oh, The Riddler. That's pretty good. And there's, there's, there's the big question and bear in mind i bought your book and i listen to your podcast and yeah. i'm not stalker i keep promise. in mind that i admire
0: your truth you know as a, <laughs> as a <laughs> producer and you know you know maybe we'll we'll work together in the future just Bites, you know keep that in mind <clears throat> <clears throat> when you answer the next question mm-hmm. so it's um ross or
1: marcio
2: oh jesus guys <laughs> come on well Try to think. I, li- I like the Thursday shirt, but the glasses... Yeah, I, I wore this, this for you. So- I have
0: more than one Thursday shirt. I just didn't wear it. <laughs> Ross, beat me to it. <laughs> I told him I not to I'm is he a, a fan of Thursday? Because
2: so, st- I'm a huge fan. <laughs> that, 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 those are some smart glasses, so I, I, I'm a man of respect. spectacles. You want glasses? I'll get my glasses.
0: Jesus. I'll get right now, man. I'll put on all my Thursday apparel.
2: <laughs> I-, I left mine off, so I looked a little less nerdy, so... <laughs> And right.
0: Oh, thanks! <laughs> I see It's it. like, okay, it's
2: Ross. We get my, it. <laughs> my personal brand. I'm trying to offset some nerd here. You know, I'm trying. I'm, try, I'm trying to cultivate something here, and I don't oh, want to go man. chew down the nerd rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> so, what's your answer? Oh, Jesus! Really? I thought I got. I was going to say it. nicely avoided, but yeah, we're, uh, we're bringing it back. Uh,
2: uh, I, I come on. I watch all these political shows just so I know how to avoid uncomfortable questions. <laughs> you're,
0: you're good at it, man. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> It's both of us, isn't
2: it? It it totes
0: is. Okay, I helped
2: you out there. I won't make a (laughs) shoes.
0: Nice. Um, Tell us a little bit more. uh, Tell us a little bit about Off the Record, which is your podcast.
2: Uh, Off the Record is a podcast I do with Zach Zarillo. Zach is the label manager at Jade Tree. He owns Bad Timing Records. He manages bands like Knucklepuck and Light Years. works at Synergy Management, doing day-to-day for real friends, Writes a website called Property of Zach, and I'm probably even missing something. things because at twenty one years old he's that accomplished. Oh wow. wow. I didn't realize uh, Zach was so young. Yeah, I met Zach I when he was was, older. Uh, I think I met Zach when he was sixteen or seventeen. And uh we immediately clicked. He's one of the smartest people I know, and uh he turned to me and said, Let's do a podcast where we just talk to each other, and I said that's going to be awkward, um, <laughs> but it turned out to be really good. And um, I was originally going to do a podcast where I just did interviews with people, which I've been doing for a while, but I've been accumulating them um, for a while to release at a later date. But, Absolutely
0: uh, what we're doing. Very smart.
2: Yes, you, you, you got to do it. I also get just ahead
0: got- of yourself a little bit so it's not as overwhelming.
2: Yeah, and I also I decided also to just have like a nice surgery on my voice and everybody was worried that I was gonna lose my voice for a oh, while. Wonderful. So yeah. So you, you know, you wanted to have that stockpile in case something happens. Yes. But uh so uh yeah, but we release a episode once a week, it's on the music business, tech and punk rock.
0: Good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And you also you have your own studio, Canon Found Foundation. I almost said yes. Canon Sound Foundation, but that was you're, this, you're that tricking was the me, idea, aren't you? Yeah,
2: yeah. That, was, that, that was the so that when I I never thought I was going to own my own studio, and uh, I was really into Brian Eno at the time, and he was always oh talking yeah, about was, sound. yeah, yeah, and he's always talking about found sounds. I was like, oh, this will be clever. This will only be on like three records. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Yeah, now, uh, ooh, 15 years later of owning that studio, uh, awesome. it's it's uh, it's uh, really bad that I have to own both website domains because people type it in wrong so much. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, but At least you've done that. Some yeah, people don't do that. At yeah. least you've yeah. done it. Yeah, they, they're, they're, There's a nice lesson to everybody. And um, truth be told, actually, I sh- all right, I'm going to be honest because this is what we were saying before. So somebody who is very, very mean to one of my best friends that owns another recording studio... I got the common misspelling of their studio and let him write what he <laughs> thought of his experience recording there and put it up on a page. And I did that for him. And that's what you get for messing with my friend and, and being a homophobe. Oh, so. well that, that <laughs> would get me
0: in and it of itself. That, that's yeah, one yeah. of my biggest pet peeves. So what yeah. are you listening to lately? Um, what, what's uh, What sort of recommend music recommendations do you have?
2: Uh, Porter Robinson worlds, uh, is my favorite record of the year. Uh, The new Menzinger's record, Rented World. Uh, The 1975. uh, There's this guy named Sophie, uh, who makes really probably the weirdest dance music out right now. (laughs) Um, The new Aphex Twin. I listened to all this morning that just got posted up. And then a lot of podcasts. I'm looking forward to listening to this one when you guys get it out. Cool. Good answer, right? sounds <laughs> a good one. That almost saved that, you. That, from that, yeah, 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 that was nice good. Bad dance music I listened to. Yeah, you know, you
0: might have some people come after you saying, why did you let him off answering the Ross emergency <laughs> question? We had one guest that started a whole, you know, feud and Ross just wouldn't let go that she picked me. Because <laughs> <for Ross, laughs> yeah, she, she knows Ross and not me. And she picked Marcio. <laughs> I don't, I, Ross
2: going not let it go. I, I don't blame you.
0: So where can I'm people still... find you online? Uh, Cannon. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
2: That's, that's the best place. Um, I have a blog called Museformation that I rarely update these days that okay. I try to put music business stuff on, but mostly Jesse Cannon.com is a nice direction to all the things I do, like teaching courses and uh, the next book that's coming out, the next podcasts that are coming out awesome. that all gets updated there.
0: And you're also on Twitter, of course, Jesse cannon.
2: Yes. Uh, and
0: yes. Uh, you're on
2: Instagram and Facebook as well. Same things. I have Jesse cannon on all of them.
0: That's awesome. Hey man, this has been such a pleasure. Honestly, it's uh, I'm, I'm so glad Ross introduced me to you um awesome. i think There's that you you might well. you might uh you might receive some demos from me sometime in the future i,
2: <laughs> I, I hope so I'd love i love to I re- hear
0: yeah man i really i really like what you stand for and um yeah it's uh you you've got a good energy you've got yeah. a good uh no you do you've got a good energy and and uh like i said we need more people in the music business uh like yourself so well, thank you for coming on our show man it. it's been an absolute pleasure
2: i appreciate it look forward to hearing what you guys do with this
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes.
0: You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome, and we'll see you next week.
2: Like writing a really exhaustive 750-page book on the music business is everybody didn't know something else it's never everybody didn't know the same thing that is in that book and i think that that's the funny thing is we all have loopholes in our education that's very interesting but uh as far as new york food goes there's a place called pasar malam that is the because they don't have a liquor license they're not getting the credit they deserve but it's i would there's over 100 items on the menu and it's I, I, i've had about 50 of them and everyone, <laughs> it's been amazing i mean i live a few blocks away and they right. deliver. so <laughs> it makes life easy
0: right right That's pretty cool, man. And uh, yeah,
1: yeah. should we talk about food tips when I was in New
2: York? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you ever come back, I'm happy happy to write a list for whatever your food needs are. That's it's one of my specialties.
0: Well, I'm my wife and I are are vegan, and we traveled to New York City. I think it was a couple years ago, and actually, New York City apparently was just recently rated the best place to eat for vegans. Uh, I, I would believe it. Yeah, I, I thought it would be Los Angeles because the most, uh, the highest number of vegetarians and vegans actually live in Los Angeles. But New York City, yeah, it. Well, we're, we're uh, a way better food, food city. It
2: um, was pretty amazing, man. Yeah. Well, so did you go to Angelica Kitchen? Um.
0: I yes, actually, I think I did and at Candle Seventy Nine. We went to. Um, Oh, you know what? I'm bad with names, but we went to quite of the, the big ones and, and some uh, smaller ones, too. I, I got to brush up on the names, but yeah.
2: My, my uh, roommate's the pastry chef at Angel Kitchen.
0: Oh, no way. That's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, so maybe she, next she, time I can you can hook me yeah.
2: up. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, you stop by the house and there's like always uh, pastry sitting on the uh, counter because nice. she's sick like that. So.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So, Jesse, you are the former manager of Man Overboard and Transit, who both yeah. eventually signed to Rise Records.
2: Who, who did that under my watch? Yes.
0: Yes, that's what we wanted to ask you about. Yes. Yeah, so what it was? was sure. Yeah, what was that like uh, managing those two bands? Did you was that obviously wasn't at the exact same time?
2: Uh <laughs> it's a very funny story. So okay, Eyes Records came to us um, shortly before we put out uh, us being Man Overboard. Uh, shortly before we put out Real Talk, and we're like, "Hey, we want to offer you a record deal." And like, we look at the bands of the label we're like, God, you got to be kidding me. We're not signed to this label. And then they keep coming back at us and coming back at us. The contract kept getting better. And we're like, man, compared to the other labels, and I don't want to call out the other labels, these guys are way more enthusiastic, way more smart, way more cool. And like, they kind of, you know, they're like that person that, you know, you're initially when they come to you and they want to date you, you're like, ah, I don't know. You're wearing that hat. And you seem <laughs> like that guy from the pickup artist or something. And you're like, I don't know about that, and then eventually, like you know, these guys are pretty smart, pretty cool. And while there's like, they hang out with some pretty lame people. There's some pretty cool stuff, and they like really gave us an amazing contract. And so the big problem was is that we were not in contract with Run for Cover, but there was an expectation uh, with Run for Cover that we were going to do more with them. Um, we hadn't worked out all the contract details yet because. As often happens, like, you know, it was like, yeah, we should do this. There was a lot of handshake stuff, but it wasn't out loud. And, um, Jeff from Run for Cover is a good friend of mine. And, uh, I said to him when I started managing transit around that same time, I'm like, listen, I never want to go through this with you again. And, uh, About two hours later, Tim from transit calls me. He's like, so rise records is going to offer us a contract. Now that you're managing us, (laughs) (laughs) I just, I walked over to a wall and hit my head against it about five times. I was like, and that's what I get for making a promise. (laughs) (laughs) And so we, that was right about when man overboard had finished their contract. So that we had another month or two of doing transits contract. And, uh, So then we decided on a day to do the announcements and that day was just like the day like, you know, we've all had our day of um, reading the internet and going, wow, like people on the internet just suck. Oh yeah, (laughs) uh, And like the absolute punk comment thread was just so ridiculous. Like I'd be like, uh, so he'd be like, Oh, they're going to send them to Joey Sturgis and make them into like an attack attack part two. I'm like, I'm their producer and manager. That's not happening. <laughs> like, we already have discussed. That's not happening. Two thre- common threads. Uh, two comments later. Oh my god, he's already tried to cover this up. What the fuck? This guy's a liar. Da 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 da. It's, it's best
0: like, to not engage them. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't <laughs> the trolls, you learn. You live and learn.
2: Yeah, I, st- I still, I still feed the trolls sometimes. <laughs> I go under the bridge. I give them their meat, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I regret it, but like, I do it. <laughs> I, I'm somebody who, you know, I grew up on the internet, you know, and, uh, yeah, of course. it's just like that thing of like, I'm generation one of the internet and I got used to debating things on hardcore punk forums when I was 15 years old and I can't break free. So you, uh, were
0: a part of, uh, man overboard and transits transition to, um, uh, getting signed and, and becoming established. Um, Whose decision is it when a uh, band is no longer managed by the same manager? Was you know, is that your decision? Was that the band's decision?
2: So no longer managed. So like when they went from another manager to me, from from me to another manager, do you mean? Uh, So both groups were a different thing. Um, I managed transit much less time than I managed Man overboard. Um, Both of them started from relationships with me being their producer first. And then me just believing them and helping them out eventually it's like all right let's make this formal so with transit what happened was uh they we had gotten done doing the second record we did together and they had gotten an offer from the gaslight anthems manager and so i was producing writing a book and uh managing them and man overboard. And I was very much in over my own head. So you were taking
0: um, it easy basically. Yes.
2: Yes. As <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always just doing one thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's a true creative though. I mean, you know, yeah. there's not only one outlet. I mean, if you're a creative yeah, person, it yeah. Creative like never, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never ever limit yourself. I'm a true believer in that. So,
2: yeah. And, and I think that's the thing is we get addicted to creativity. Yes. Um, I mean, my book that I'm writing right now is all about creativity. Um, I date somebody who's, like, you know, learned architecture, uh, fashion design, is a neuropsychologist, like, does, (laughs) you know, and a a musician. So it's, like, I watch her, and, like, I'm, like, I feel humbled every day. (laughs) That's amazing. um, But, like, yeah, you get addicted to it, and um, I think that that was the thing. But so, because I was doing so much, and I want to do so much, and I want to be involved with so many cool things, um, man, transit took the chance to do that so man overboard then got so popular that when we were making the self-titled record um we started to have some disagreements about which ways to go and um we still do actually disagree about those even though we're all good friends and you know i was talking to justin on sunday and we could make nice little jokes about those disagreements about what we think but uh it eventually just became that i had to choose management or record production of managing a band as big as them and Record production is something I've been at since, uh, I'm, it's actually been 21 years. I, I first started producing records at 15. so uh, That's awesome. I uh, chose that, and they chose that, and we went our separate ways, and we're all still the best of friends and get real, have a lot of fun when we see each other still. But, you know, it was time for, uh, after 72 songs produced together and uh, got like three years of working together, it was Time for them to move on, and they've done a great job since.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, being a producer for 21 years, you said you've worked on records by The Cure, Limp Biscuit, dillinger Escape Plan, Saves the Day, Senses Fail. Um, most of those are some of my favorite bands of all time.
1: So. Oh, awesome. <laughs> we won't say which one's not.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to say maybe. <laughs> Uh, one maybe it starts is, as an L and, possibly uh, in the ISKIT. possibly that's one of the ones not included <laughs> but uh, yeah so you know what were those
2: experiences like uh, well all of them are very different um, I'll run through some of my favorite ones uh, yeah please do the, 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 the cure was um, particularly magical because I got to also that was um, the start of my working with Ross Robinson who was one of my favorite producers growing up so i also worked with steve Evans on that as i did a bunch of those other records you mentioned um and steve Evans uh was my other favorite producer growing up so getting to work with both of them at once was a little crazy along with a band that i grew up loving and uh worshiping
0: i grew up listening to the to the cure when i say i grew up listening i'm not talking as a teenager i'm talking as like a toddler
2: (laughs) yeah I Yeah. i got all my cure and smiths and replacements and other cool records from my father
0: yeah, for me it was my aunt Lilia. She was a huge uh, fan of The Cure, and I, I I remember I think I was like three years old dancing around to Love Cats. <laughs> I mean, so like you know, they, I they can done... totally imagine that. Yeah, you know, You're I were probably naked think as well, weren't you? Probably naked. And there's videos of it, but I uh, know. Please, you know, continue <laughs> telling us about your experience uh, working on the with The Cure and Ross Robinson, which is a great producer.
2: Yeah, yeah um, so it was like just a very interestingly. we were at Olympic Studios, so like you know, like t-rex and like Led zeppelin have done stuff in this room and it's just who? like sorry t-rex <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs>
0: so, uh, i think i'm funny sorry
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. i catch the visual effort
0: uh, uh so pretty surreal then wasn't it
2: yeah i mean it was crazy and like um ross is a producer who is very much um all about emotions right. and uh he pulls a performance out of like I've worked under a lot of producers and he pulls performances out that are way different and like you know Robert's such an intense emotional person, which is why you know so many people have bawled crying to these records over the years um, you know like I I'm not a I mean, I should say this, back then I wasn't a man who cried a lot, and then I think I spent like 27 days straight crying. Uh, <laughs> at work every night, you're trying to like, turn knobs, and you're like, oh my god, he's telling this story, and it's just so moving, oh my god, and like, I had like a easy emotional cleanse, and then like, the coming down after that record was like, you know, like, getting off of drugs, it was like, craving these intense emotional experiences so i'd go home and fight with my girlfriend and say really truthful things to her and it was it was it was, it was very interesting it was uh, a definite learning experience about um when you really pour yourself into something creatively and get emotionally honest how addicting that uh, dopamine rush can be and uh so that was really interesting um
0: well, I, I have I, to say Ross, uh not Ross Barber, but Ross Robinson yeah. uh, has produced some of my ultimate favorite records as well, yeah. being corn and slipknots.
2: <laughs> First I, two I, records. I, like I, Slipknot Island like, uh, Glassjaw records at the drive in, Blood Brothers, those are some yeah. of my favorite records. And it was Beautiful. just an honor. And I, I'm very honored to have him as one of my like best friends. And um I learned a ton from him. And he you know, he's just so much different than any human that produces records of that. Like you know, the stor- as the stories go of like putting Jonathan Davis in a headlock and like, you know, forcing him to talk about the emotional torment that his father gave him. Yeah, I
0: mean, Daddy I th- is in the song called Daddy, the closing track on the debut record.
2: Yeah. And you know the, the video,
0: story. oh, the video, he's bawling his eyes out. It's all real. Yeah. But yeah. I, didn't re- I didn't realize the involvement of Ross Robinson in pulling that out of him.
2: It, Ross uh, took him and made him confront his father and then had him go record the vocal.
0: Oh, my God. I did not know that
2: yeah and like you know not many producers will go that deep with somebody and it taught me a lot about i i'm nothing compared to him but when you know i do a lot of records where it's like you don't have to go too deep like a man overboard song, like i like you it's like oh how's your girlfriend yeah right but like but that's good too right it's it's time to get really confrontational and i i take that into a lot of parts of my life like it's even um I've been doing a lot of interviews for a project I have coming up, and uh, I get very confrontational in the interviews. And I think it's important that we um, do that at times because so much fluff in the world, and um, no one needs that in our music. We need realness, and we need—one of the reasons Ross produces records that mean a lot to people is that he gets an exceptional amount of realness instead of this kind of mediocrity of churning out the records that we get with so many different people.
0: Uh, you know, I couldn't agree more. And I, I really admire everything you're saying. Uh, you're, you're being very humble, but it, this applies to yourself as well. I completely that that's my that's what I kind of uh, aspire to is just truth. Truth. Like mm-hmm. you said, there's so much crap in the world. There's so much so many lies. And, and I, I, I can see through it. I mean, most yeah. of us, I think that are true fans of music, I can see through bullshit. And why why add any more crap into the world? So that's something I truly admire, man. I really yeah, do. I, we I, need I, more people. We need more people like you, you know, behind oh. the console.
2: I think, well, I think it's even in all of life because I think it's, um, even politics and anything in our emotional, uh, friendships is like, um, there's this Joe Strummer quote that I discovered a few years ago that like really summed it up to me is that, um, he says what punk rock is, is I'm wise to the ways of the world and I can see through the bullshit. Give me something that's real because I know when it's not real and like, when I heard that, I was like, that's been me since I discovered punk rock. Because I want the real, I don't want... And while I can listen to Katy Perry and say, yes, that's fake.
0: Yeah. Love it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, But, but you, love, <laughs> you, you love it for what it is, though. Yeah. Right? Like and, you, you, and, there are different things, you know.
2: Yeah. And I think there's like a thing of like, you know, like one of the reasons like somebody like Elizabeth Warren inspires people in politics or like just, you know, you see... I think we do have a more realness in some of our pop stars these days of that, like, you know, seeing what people do when they're on Twitter and seeing them freak out a little bit. Like that realness makes people identify and why we're seeing these bonds between fans and artists a little bit more is that there's no longer that ability to like. um, I even think about Rihanna, like Rihanna is a pretty vacuous pop star is not saying anything, but every once in a while she gets really, real. like when she was on Oprah one time and Oprah tried to shame her for the naked pictures that she had. And she just turned Oprah, and she's like, "Oprah, if you're not sending those to your man, somebody else is." And it's like, <laughs> no, "That's fucking real." You go, girl. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, like, and I think that that's the thing is, is um, we're all in an era where we're just discovering that we're able to see behind the total bullshit. I think this has been something that's happening over the course of forty years, but like, some would say, even since Watergate in America, and like we've had this like realism of. Seeing behind what you know, the NFL is experiencing and in America right now, and I don't really follow sports, but we're finally seeing that these guys can't hide what wife beating assholes they are. Uh, yep. um, and uh, I think it's just that thing of like, I think people really want real, and if you, um, you learn how to give that to them right now, you're going to be rewarded with it. And um, I'm on that boat. I'm going hard on it.
0: Man, real is warts and all, it's not perfection. I mean, you yes. know what I mean? I that's think that's. About. The-
2: I think that that's even an interesting thing, too, of um, one of the things I've been talking about lately is that um, real is also not just, like, you know, like, there's a weird thing. I don't want to condone wife-beating, but um, we all make mistakes in life, and seeing that some of these guys who are idolized are imperfect also makes us not feel as bad about um, when we mess up. And I don't look up to any football players, but knowing that my idols are not perfect, and, like, you know, even the thing of, like, you know, I... I uh, grew up really respecting Ross and Steve and getting to know that they were human and, um, you know, watching Steve Evans throw up into a toilet just as I do occasionally. I <laughs> would get a little too drunk. It's like, yes, even the man I respect the most, it's like, you know, he's going to have that night. Just one too many. <laughs> It's much rarer for Steve than me, though I should say for the public's consumption. In fact, I think it's about a thousand to one me to him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that Ross and I, Ross and I, are already thinking that the title of this podcast uh <laughs> is our podcast is going to be. um <laughs> It's going to be a. Dis- <laughs> Sorry, I can't even say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesse Cannon condones wife
2: beating in the NFL.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> well, that's clickbait right there. Yeah, yeah,
2: totally. <laughs> And that's about how bad Zach is to be with the off the record podcast. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I have noticed that. There's been times when he's he's named it, and you've uh, you've had something to say.
2: <laughs> yeah, he chides me a bit. If I, if I was the one doing the po- naming of the podcast, though, he'd be getting the same treatment. So
0: <laughs> I love it. So Ross, she, I know that uh, I know that you uh, one of the one of the many reasons you you uh, relate to Jesse is because you guys both take a similar approach with how you uh, work with musicians
1: yeah yeah like one of the things that i like about what you do jesse is obviously you produce artists but you don't just leave it at that it's not like once you've produced the record they're gone and it's like Mm -hmm. see until you want to hire me again you know you're actively like helping them out offering them advice trying to connect them with other people and Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i do with my clients as well i i I don't like to just sort of say right i've designed your website now pay me and get lost you know i'm that's always what you did with me with <laughs> no,
0: sorry kidding well
1: we won't go into I'm that. <laughs> uh no like i'm always connecting them i'm i'm keeping an eye out for pr opportunities and mm-hmm. you know just connecting with anyone that can help and i think it's important that that we all do that and i think everyone should do that a little bit more you know uh, i
2: i think that that's great and um it's almost like one of those things like i don't obviously don't have any secrets but uh you know it's it shouldn't be a secret, but I think the sad thing is, is um, a lot of people don't. I think there's another thing of um, when you get hired by people, is who hires you. I tend to have a nice thing that I attract a certain type of person that I usually get along with. Like I've, you know, I've full time, fifteen years, twenty one years producing records. I've gotten along poorly with two of the bands. Um, and I think that's the thing is, is I genuinely work with – generally work with uh, people I want to help and I want to continue a relationship mm-hmm. and I want to – so that makes it very, very easy. And I think that that's another thing that um, – I think it's very convenient, but we have to try to work with people that we do feel a real bond with and search out and approach. And I approach a lot of people and I then also – encourage the people i work with to spread the word because if they're working together with another group odds are we're going to get along and everything's going to be great but like yeah i love nothing more that most of my best friends are people i've met throughout the years working i mean even todd who i wrote my book with uh randomly i was on a message board and somebody said they needed a studio to record drums todd came with his bandmate who i originally talked with talked for about 10 minutes and then we became best friends and that's just what it was is just continuing a relationship and uh I think people underestimate how important that is. Oftentimes,
0: well, I, I love that you say this. I go by the same rule. Um, you know, when I when I'm choosing a producer or anyone to work with, it's important not only obviously their their work and obviously mm-hmm. if, you, if you like, but who they are and if you're going to click with them. And that actually leads me. I want to ask you. Um, you know, if there's any if there's any aspiring musicians here that um, that want to know if it's the right time for them to start uh, finding a producer. You know, well first of all, when when is the right time for a musician to find a producer or a band and you know, what should be the criteria that they're focusing on? Cuz I personally um, don't
2: think it should just be credits. I agree with you actually. Um I think it's very important to have a meeting. Um but uh the right time to start is um you should do some demos and then you should start working with producers. I actually think bands should While it's a bit of a luxury thing, and not everybody has the money, is like record two to three songs with one producer, and then maybe another producer if that one didn't work out for you, and start learning. Because the one thing is too like you know, I have like a a saying that I like to say to justify some actions in my life, but like you know, don't marry the girl you lost your virginity to every time. Like like, yeah, yeah, go out there and there's a there's a wonderful world of work because then you when you find the right person you go well i've experimented with enough and i know you know this one's a okay with me and uh <laughs> say that as a 36 year old single band so uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you know what though and I, the, the other thing too is um i, I think that depends on what you're writing at the current time too you know what i mean like some some bands um i'm gonna say a band like Alex on fire uh Mm-hmm. worked with the same producer Julius Buddy who, who I had the pleasure of working with and, and with on every single one of their albums because not the first one but they found the guy that was just right for them right sure. but a lot of different bands will work with different producers and that doesn't mean that they didn't love what another producer did with their stuff it just you know it might be what direction they're going with in that particular record you know so I think you know I think exactly what you're saying there it's not um You know, maybe they have to be in a polygamous relationship yeah, (laughs) or serial monogamy.
2: (laughs) What I think is really interesting thing that that happened a lot more in the 90s and that doesn't I don't see happen as much that I think is kind of lost in a lot of groups is like who you do your full lengths with is really going to be what you're remembered by. And um, I think a lot of bands don't get into that experimentation. They just go, well, I'm now going to commit to this person who I have no idea if it's going to work just because I like their credits um, and I'm going to now do 12 songs with them and that could end your career because that full length, that next full length is what you're measured by. You see so many bands when they have the wrong producer hookup um, and the relationship's bad that they, they kind of end their career with uh, that bad, bad move. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I guess like the other thing I would say is that, like yeah, sometimes you do find the right person at first, but I think there is a thing of that you don't always know and you don't know who could do better. And that's one of the weirdest things about these recordings is like you don't have a lot of bands like Jimmy World who've thrown a record away full records twice, like right before the mixing process and just been like, you know, this isn't right is like most green people day, don't have, green day have done that as well oh, yeah. actually yeah oh well, yeah they claimed that one time well, that it got stolen that was not true and i i, I have the facts to prove. oh okay <laughs> that was a total lie but they came out with one of their best records after yes. that and they were smart enough to do that and they threw uh, out the record
0: didn't they that's, that's
2: yeah they threw I'm out seeing. the record that's it the truth that's, that's good, the yeah. truth yeah i mean i i have it on word from someone who worked on the record
0: oh, i believe it It makes and, makes sense
2: yeah, and I, it's a much better story to say it got stolen. Of course. Um, so no one ever is asking for the reels to exactly. hear it. So <laughs> I think that was a really smart strategy. I hate to blow up their spot like that. What do you call it? But so, I mean, it's and it's a funny thing because I've had some bands I've worked with that people don't enjoy their output after I've worked with them, and they're like, well, they get back with you. I'm like, well, that's their decision as a creative person. They're trying out things. They're figuring out maybe we'll make some records in the future. Maybe we won't, but like... Um, So much of record production is about how somebody fills in their blanks. And so one of the big variables, too, is like one, you know, we we talked about, we touched on meeting. Is that like, yes, you have to have a a working personality and like how far do you want someone to go in? Like John Feldman, for example, will rewrite your entire song for you and maybe keep like 25 percent of it at times. Whereas I'm somebody who like generally you come to me and I'm going to go, well, let's do this. But I'm going to leave a semblance of a form. But I'm going to make sure like there's a great vibe. And then, so another thing might be is that a record producer might come in and like you have a terrible, terrible drummer, but they're a guy who's really good with vocals, then it's not going to work out so well when your drummer sounds terrible and he doesn't know how to make suggestions for making those beats work well with the vocal melodies and how to get the groove to actually work on this record. Um, I pride myself that I can do everything pretty damn well, but I'm not like the world's greatest songwriter. I don't ever fully rewrite anybody's songs with a very, very rare exception. Um, mm. And I think that's the thing is you got to find who's going to do that. Cause some bands like, you know, if you're one of those Joey Sturgis bands, you kind of need that guy to kind of almost, he's like almost like doing remixes of metal songs. Like you come in with like this kind of standard chug metal song, and then he's like putting in all these THX effects in it and skips and all this crazy stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's a whole new animal.
0: You know, well, my most recent experience with a producer was uh, when I did my full-length debut full-length album. I did it with Jim
2: Wirt. He did drums at my studio one time with some band. Actually, he was oh, a really nice guy.
0: Oh, Jim, yeah. he's amazing. Um, and I'm so glad I picked him. Entirely, it it, were, it was a great working relationship, and we really hit it off. Which, which is getting to what I'm about to say is, um, you know, I, I, I. I I I, I contact, I can't speak today. (laughs) I contacted a few different uh, producers and, you know, I hate to say this, a few bigger producers or really big producers that were interested. But the reason I picked Jim and not that Jim is not a big producer. He's whatever the word big is. um, I went with him because our jive man, not only did I love what he did, but him and I just clicked. I knew right away. You know what I mean? It was just like, this is the guy he gets me. He didn't try. He didn't rewrite a single one of my songs. The song, the demos the recordings is pretty much the same structure and everything. But he pushed out the best performances out of me, man. That's what I was looking for. You know what I mean? Whereas some bands maybe or some artists are looking for something different. But you know, just just kind of relating to you know what, what we're talking about here. It's about I think you got to listen to that feeling inside too. You know, is this a person? Is this the right person for me? Right? Don't get yes. don't get don't get all starry eyed with someone who's maybe won a Grammy or something like that. Because I mean. It, there's more it's not just about winning a grammy i mean <laughs> that doesn't yes. mean that one person is necessarily better than the other we all know there's campaigning that goes along just like with the oscars and everything you know not diminishing yeah. that
2: yeah. I, I am better i don't have a grammy <laughs> myself i'm <laughs> just saying you know i'm trying Gram- to say that Grammys are a shitty, shitty mark of uh that's what i'm trying success. to say but like what i think is even more interesting though is like so let's say your favorite band is um Try, all right, we don't even need to use a bad example. You could just love this band. You're like, wow, well, that producer worked with that guy. But you don't know if, like, so there's some bands in my career that have been like, uh, Steve Evans actually has a great analogy of it. He calls it, he's like, all you have to do is walk across a room and not drop water. As long as you do a mediocre job, this band is so good, you're just going to do fine. And then there's other bands where you have to rescue everything, you're going to be editing you're going to be working on their performances for hours and hours and hours because they kind of suck. And not that even great musicians, you can work on their performances, get them to do even better. But like, there's some bands that you just like, you don't need to go in there and be like, I'm going to put my mark on this by doing it. Like, you know, I worked with one producer on a record that like, he just kept rewriting things. And <sighs> you know, a year later we talked, the band and I reconvened and we're like, man, that record when I listened to the demos was so much better before he changed everything. And he just changed it to get his paycheck and feel yeah. like he did something. And yeah,
0: yeah.
2: but part, part cool of your job bullshit. is
0: sometimes not touching as much. though. Yeah. Right?
2: I, I mean, you know, it's very funny. Um, I do a, you know, mo- I'm lucky enough to say that most of the time I do numerous records with the band and like, uh, I w- just worked with this great band. In fact, I can even say it, uh, this band called strange times, who I really, really in love. And they're like, you know, you did a little less on these songs than you did. I'm like, well, you got to be a lot better songwriters. In the
0: <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> like, a big <laughs>
2: compliment. <laughs> didn't to, yeah. I didn't, ha- I didn't have to go in and like change as much because you guys yeah. learned so much from the last experience because you're smart, good musicians. And well, that, y- that's the optimal.
0: Well, you know, just, just speaking of, of Grammys, um, I just want to say that Millie Vanilli won a Grammy.
2: So, um. <laughs> Great point, but girl, you know it's true, is a hell of a somebody else. <laughs> a, the hell of a job that some other people did. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. So, the, 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 actually, that's, that's a tangent. We don't need to go down. Yeah. <laughs> getting controversial <laughs> here, which, I, I which we want, like. We to, like
0: getting controversial here.
2: <laughs> I don't want to spend the time defending Millie Vanilli. We <laughs> all right, all right. Say, <laughs> Are you ready for 20 questions? I am always ready for Tony questions. At least I think I am. Until they're hard,
0: (laughs) Ross. How do you want to do this? Uh, Five and
1: five, back and forth. Yeah, let's do Let's do five and five. Do you want to start or do I'll start? start, I'll
0: start. I'll start.
2: Okay, you start. Okay,
1: here
0: we go. Coffee or tea? (laughs) Coffee. Meat or veggies? Meat. CD or vinyl? CD. Summer or winter? Summer. Brand new or Taking Back Sunday?
2: Taking Back Sunday.
0: Twitter or Facebook?
2: Twitter melody or
1: rhythm melody
2: Nirvana or Skrillex uh me before three years ago always Nirvana Skrillex today that's really <laughs> tough that was the that was really really that, that well was I got really that from your pod. podcast because you yes, mentioned yes. <laughs> that's where I got I, I, fi- I figured and now now I'm uh, eating, eating a little crow because part of me died inside <laughs> 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 but yes I I I, I mean I listened to a lot. Come
0: of on, you've you've had you've had more than twenty years to appreciate Nirvana. It's okay to appreciate other artists as well. <laughs>
2: it, it's true, but those remasters were so good. I've been rocking yeah. them in, in utero vinyl, and uh, yeah. but you know, Skrillex just makes my thirty-six-year-old self a little bit happier <laughs> these days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, uh, indie or major? Uh indie. Taylor
2: Swift or Taylor Lautner? <laughs> Well, I hate Taylor Swift, and I don't know who Taylor Walker is. He's the guy from the Twilight movies. The Twilight, yeah. Oh, the wolf. The wolf guy, yeah. I don't know, I have no I saw, idea. I've saw never saw seen him. I saw this picture of him where he's wearing sunglasses, and he has another pair on his shirt. So I can't go with him either. So <laughs> that is that is the epitome of douche. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. was just? That's too much for me. That 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 and my ex had you a know, real. That's big that would crush be as like, bad
0: as me wearing a fedora, but still holding a fedora in my hand, just yes, like you know, yes. just in case I want to switch it. <laughs>
2: yes. totes, totes.
0: So. <laughs> uh the simpsons or futurama uh,
2: uh this is gonna this is gonna get me a lot of shame uh neither
0: mm. oh okay okay what's what's an alternative of adult uh, animated series
2: I, 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 I mean i'm aqua teen hunger force okay so. Have you ever watched archer oh i love archer that's a great archer. show Yeah, that's, that's a the, great that's a, show. one of my archer. favorites that's a great uh, I, I, you know one my favorites uh so i work with bands and what Lots of annoying bands do is quote The Simpsons all yeah. the time while you're trying to work. I'm so it drove me to hate. It drove me to hate The, it yeah, yeah, to I'm the, hate the Simpsons. I'm one of those guys. I'm sorry. You're one of those guys. So like, <laughs> but I it, quote I'm all sure the it, shows
0: and, though. I try to have a balance, you know. Okay. <laughs> Mac trying, or PC? Uh, Mac. Friends or Frasier?
2: Uh, that's. Uh, I I hate so much. That's hard.
0: Okay. The next one is U2 or Coldplay and in brackets, (laughs) Ross is written. I'm sure he hates both. So thought it would be funny to make him choose. (laughs) Uh,
2: I like the first Coldplay record. Yeah, yeah, first yeah, record was agree. good, yeah, and the second
1: cool. one wasn't too bad
0: either.
2: Actually, yeah, no, no there, there's some good songs on the second one. It's everything after that that is just it's the same. I love some early U two, and I think octung Baby is an amazing yeah. record, but they ruined it for me.
0: Sunday Bloody Sunday, I think that's that's. I yeah, still love it's that Sunday that Bloody Sunday. Uh, right? You don't you don't like I, I, the fact more. that they force you to have your their new record? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> listen
0: to it. Yeah, where, 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 a billion oh, like, people like, must listen to it.
2: What I really don't like is, is is the the co-opting Joey Ramone all these years after his death. And I know they were friends, and Joey died listening to it, but Jesus Christ, come on! Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? Oh, Michael Jackson! I yeah. I I better be starting something all the time.
0: I actually I have a I have a uh, it's not leather, it's a pleather jacket because I'm oh, vegan, wow. but it's a red pleather jacket. I gotta show you guys a picture. It's completely Michael Jackson's jacket. Do you still have knees. it? Yeah, I just I just got it. Like you're gonna longer. wear it next.
2: You're gonna wear it. On the Am I show. gonna wear it? Okay, I, I, you're wearing I, I, I it I the next. Just learn some good dance moves where you twirl your fedora down your <laughs> arm back yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got it. I'm like, ow. Yeah. Okay, it's you, Ross. <laughs> Twerk or work? And uh,
1: twer- oh, you said you're the best. Yeah, exactly. You're I, the I, best dancer. I, in
2: I, I, I I I'll tell you. Like I, I go to some twerking things in Williamsburg, and uh, I, I have a good old time.
1: I'm sure you do. It's- <laughs> we want videos. Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin? Ross wants videos.
2: Oh, Ricky Gervais. Yeah.
1: Yeah. About the- Whale or Kale? Kale. Bette Midler or The Riddler? <laughs> oh, The Riddler. That's pretty good. And there's huh? is, is, is the big question and bear in mind I bought your book and I listen to your podcast and, yeah. and I'm not stalker I keep promise keep in mind
0: that I <laughs> admire your truth you know as a, as <laughs> a producer and you know, you know maybe we'll, we'll work together in the future just nice. you know, keep that That's... in mind <clears throat> when you answer the next question mm-hmm. so it's um,
2: Ross or Marcio oh Jesus guys <laughs> come on well i trying to think. I, li- I like the Thursday <laughs> shirt, but the glasses... Yeah, I, I wore this shirt, for you. I have
0: more than one Thursday shirt. I just didn't wear it. <laughs> Ross beat me to it. <laughs> I told him I not, not like, to do <laughs> like, like, he a, but, a fan of Thursday? Because
2: so, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> that, 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 those are some smart glasses. So I, I, I'm a man of respect. spectacles. You want glasses? I'll get my glasses.
0: <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I'm I right now, man. I'll put on all my Thursday apparel.
2: <laughs> I, I, I left mine off, so I looked a little less nerdy. So. <laughs> I'm there. Oh,
0: thanks! I see it. It's like, okay, it's
2: Ross. We get my, it. <laughs> my personal brand. I'm trying to offset some nerd here. You know, I'm trying. I'm, try, I'm trying to cultivate something here, and I don't oh, want to go man. chew down the nerd rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> so, what's your answer?
2: Oh, Jesus, really? I thought I got. Yeah, I was going to say it. nicely avoided, but yeah, we're yeah, we're bringing it back. I, I, I come on. I watch all these political shows just so I know how to avoid uncomfortable co- questions. <laughs> you're,
0: you're good at it, man. <laughs> nice. It's both of us, isn't it? it? It totes is. Okay, I helped you out there. I won't yeah. make a uh, change. <laughs> nice. Um, just tell us a little bit more. Uh, let's tell us a little bit about Off the Record, which is your podcast.
2: Uh, Off the Record is a podcast I do with Zach Zerillo. Zach is the label manager at Jade Tree. He owns Bad Timing Records. He manages bands like Knucklepuck and Light Years. works at Synergy Management, doing day-to-day for real friends, Writes a website called Property of Zach, and I'm probably even missing something. It's because at twenty one years old he's that accomplished. Oh wow.
1: I didn't realize uh, Zach was so young.
2: Yeah, I met Zach I when he was was, older. Uh, I think I met Zach when he was sixteen or seventeen. And uh we immediately clicked. He's one of the smartest people I know. And uh he turned to me, and said, Let's do a podcast where we just talk to each other, and I said That's going to be awkward, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it turned out to be really good. And um, I was originally going to do a podcast where I just did interviews with people, which I've been doing for a while, but I've been accumulating them um, for a while to release at a later date. Absolutely
0: um, what we're doing. Very smart.
2: Yes, you got got to do it. I also get ahead
0: of yourself a little bit so it's not as overwhelming.
2: Yeah, and I also I also had to just have like a nice surgery on my voice and everybody was worried that I was gonna lose my voice for a oh, while. Wonderful. So yeah. So you, you know you wanted to have that stockpile in case something happens. Yes. But uh so uh, yeah, but we release a episode once a week. It's on the music business, tech, and punk rock.
0: Good for you, man. That's awesome, yeah. and you also you have your own studio, Canon Found Foundation. I almost said yes. Canon Sound Foundation, but you're tricking me, aren't you?
2: That was the so that when I I never thought I was going to own my own studio, and uh, I was really into Brian Eno at the time, and he was always oh yeah, about found was, yeah, yeah, and he was always talking about found sounds. I was like, oh, this will be clever, this will only be on like three records. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, now uh, ooh, fifteen years later of owning that studio, uh, that's awesome. it's It's uh, it's. Uh, Really bad that I have to own both website domains because people type it in wrong so much. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, but At least you've done that. Some yeah. people don't do that. At yeah. least you've yeah. done it. Yeah, they're, they're, There's a nice lesson to everybody. And um, truth be told, actually, I, I'm going to be honest because this is what we were saying before. So somebody who is very, very mean to one of my best friends that owns another recording studio... I got the common misspelling of their studio and let him write what he thought of his experience recording there and put it up on a page. And I did that for him. And that's what you get for messing with my friend and and being a homophobe. Oh, well that, that would get
0: me in and of itself. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. So what are you listening to lately? Um, what, what's what sort of recommend music recommendations do you have?
2: Uh, Porter Robinson worlds, uh, is my favorite record of the year. Uh, the New Menzinger's record rented world. Uh the 1975. Uh, there's this guy named Sophie, uh, who makes really probably the weirdest dance music out right now. <laughs> um the new Afix twin I listened to all this morning that just got posted up. And then a lot of podcasts. I'm looking forward to listening to this one when you guys get it out. Cool. Good answer, right? Sounds <laughs> <laughs> a good one. That almost saved that, you. That, from that, yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. Bad like dance music I listened to. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you might
0: have some people come after you saying, "Why did you let him off?" Answering the Ross and <laughs> question, we had one guest that started a whole, you know, feud. Rosses wouldn't let go that she picked me because <laughs> <for Ross, laughs> yeah, she, she knows Ross is not me, and she picked marcio <laughs> I don't. I, Ross gonna let it go.
2: I, I don't blame you
0: so where can I'm people still... find you online uh, jessicannon.com, I know there that's, and, that's, the, uh,
2: that's the best place um, I have a blog called Museformation that I rarely update these days that okay. I try to put music business stuff on but mostly jessicannon.com is a nice direction to all the things I do like teaching courses and uh, the next book that's coming out the next podcasts that are coming out awesome. that all gets updated there
0: and you're also on Twitter of course Jesse Cannon.
2: yes uh,
0: and yes. Uh, you're on
2: Instagram and Facebook as well same things i have just oh, on all of them
0: that's awesome hey man this has been such a pleasure honestly it's uh, I'm i'm so glad ross introduced me to you um awesome. i think there's that one you one might, you might you might uh you might receive some demos from me sometime in the future i,
2: <laughs> I hope so I'd love i re- to hear
0: yeah man i really i really like what you stand for and um yeah it's uh you you've got a good energy you've got yeah. a good uh no you do you've got a good energy and and uh like i said we need more people in the music business uh like yourself So thank you for coming on our show, man. It's been an absolute pleasure.
2: I appreciate it. Look forward to hearing what you guys do with this.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes.
0: You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome, and we'll see you next week.